fear is something that we can practice and our comfort with fear, befriending fear is kind of like a superpower. And, you know, when I get those, those nervous feelings or those butterflies, I've learned to enjoy that feeling and to like harness it into energy to perpetuate me forward instead of paralyzing me. morning, good afternoon, good evening. Emily Avadi here coming to you live from the AG studio. You are listening to Hurdle, a wellness-focused podcast where I connect with everyone from your favorite athletes to top experts and industry CEOs about their highest highs, toughest moments, and everything in between. We all go through hurdles in life, and my goal through these discussions is to empower you to better navigate yours and move with intention so that you can stride toward your own big potential. And of course, have some fun along the way. For episode 190, I am bringing you my conversation with pro skier Lexi DuPont. This is on the heels of a wildly successful week here on the show, the Turning the Page series. Loved all of your positive feedback, and I really hope that it gave you, uh, you know, the motivation, the inspiration that you need to start this next 365 off on the right foot. Also, huge day for Hurdle last, goodness, Friday, <laughs> when we were featured on the Today Show. Honestly, I was walking around Soho in Manhattan when I started to get tags from people and I looked at my phone and one of the tags was my face on their television and I was like, what is going on? Oh my goodness, such an exciting day. A huge thank you to past Hurdle guest Yasmin Cheyenne for throwing us into the mix when it came to selecting their favorite podcasts to start the new year with. Looks like we're starting things off on the right foot. Anyway, I digress. Lexi, it's all about Lexi today. Lexi and I are talking about her crazy endeavors. I mean, yes, this woman is a pro skier, but she has so many other interests that made her one of the most interesting people to talk to. Aside from making a name for herself in the skiing industry, this woman has an affinity for so many different types of movement and sport, ranging from hiking, we talk about her climbing Mount Kilimanjaro, to now she's actually a pilot, and we talk about the big aspirations she has when it comes to that. Lexi is so insightful. We have a really special conversation around the topic of fear, and she fills us in all about her wild card spot on the free ride world tour, taking her to some really awesome places starting this month. A huge kudos to Lexi for all of her accomplishments. Thank you so much, girl, for your time, and I'm excited to bring this one to the feed. Before we get into it today, I do want to give some love over to the Hurdle Instagram page, where we've really been picking up our game. If you are listening to this and you don't yet follow Hurdle on social media, we would love, 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 love to have you. The Instagram, to no one's surprise, is over at Hurdle Podcast. And of course, you can always follow along with me over at Emily Body. Also, I find it necessary to remind you that Hurdle does have a weekly newsletter where you can get more of the stuff that you love here in this feed directly in your inbox. The link to sign up for the weekly hurdle is in the show notes. And last little bit of housekeeping here. I would love it if you would call in and leave me a voice message so that I can feature your voice and your question on an upcoming episode of Five Minute Friday. So please, I'm putting this call out to the masses. I want your questions. I want to answer them. The link to leave me a voice message is also in the show notes. With that, let's get to hurdling. Hurdling. 
Today, I am sitting down with Lexi DuPont. She is a pro skier. She also has some other cool like things that we can throw into the resume, uh, but I'll let her expand on those in just a little bit. So Lexi, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm great. Just up here in Canada, um, watching the snowfall. It's wonderful. Watching the snowfall. We haven't had a lot of that here just yet. I'm in Brooklyn, not Canada, but... I feel like I kind of miss pre the last two to three years when snow was a more regular occurrence. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, New York, it's the holidays, right? So you got the the New York holiday vibes. That's incredible. They are very special. I will say that. Speaking of snow, amazing time of year for you to be getting out there, I'm sure. You said you just got back to Canada before we hopped into the recording. Yes. I built a house up here in Revelstoke, British Columbia and finished like 2019 had six months in my new home and then COVID. And so I had to leave the country and I'm like, Oh, don't worry, friends. Like I'll, I'll be back in a couple of months. They can't keep the borders closed that long. And 15 months later made it back up to Canada, um, to my house. I had left with like a small duffel bag, my mountain bike and a surfboard just, you know, to get me through this summer. And then all last winter, I'm like, wow, all I have is bikini, are bikinis and like ankle socks. This isn't going to work. <laughs> <laughs> a small duffel bag and a surfboard and a bikini. It sounds like a pretty like idyllic way to live. It also alludes to the fact that you don't just ski. Have you always been a super active person? Yeah. I mean, my whole life, my parents when I was younger really encouraged me to try everything. So I was always doing, you know, a hundred different sports at once. And then once skiing, I got really good at skiing and it was going well. It was like, okay, this is taking up a lot of my time. I kind of have to now pick and choose which sports I want to do. Um, and just started dedicating most of my time to skiing. But yeah, I mean, winter is seasonal, right? So we do travel and chase snow in the summertime, whether we go to South America, to Chile or Argentina or Australia, New Zealand. But that's, you know, a couple of weeks. And the rest of the time, it's like, I love surfing. So surfing's become a big part of my life. Mountain biking. Um, the mountains just have so much to offer in the summer, whether it's rock climbing, mountain biking, hiking. And then my partner actually lives in Kauai. So we're spending a lot of time um, on the North Shore over there surfing. Wow. It's cool to talk to someone who did have a super active upbringing. Like my parents, I feel like I still am trying to encourage them to move more regularly and like trying to find like little quick fixes or like tools to get them to just get out there, whether that's like buying my mom a kayak for Christmas or getting my dad a tonal. So <laughs> everyone's different. But for you growing up in this like super active family, what was it really like for you? Um, I mean, it was amazing. That's what we did as a family. We played outside, you know, it was like, if you didn't want to come, then you're, you're home alone. And that wasn't fun. Um, <laughs> so they didn't give us many options. It was like, you're getting in the car, we're going to the ski hill, uh, we're going backpacking, you know, we're doing these things, otherwise you're home alone. So yeah. And then recently I became a bush pilot. So I've been flying airplanes and uh, it's one of my, it's just such an amazing thing to be able to do. Like, I find my body is in line when I'm using my mind, body, and spirit together. And flying is definitely a huge mental part. Like you, it's multitasking to the next level. So yeah, my brain is growing with the flying aspect and I get to go to all these really cool places. And there's so many backcountry landing strips in Idaho where we are in the summertime and you go, you know, fly into a little landing strip and go hot springing or hiking or fly fishing or yeah, it's mostly, you know, growing up in the mountains, I'd have to say 
Yes, my family was a big part of it, but the mountains themselves are so inspiring that you just, you can't help but get out and out in them, you know? It's, it's so cool too, because I feel like when you start at that young of an age, like the great thing about kids and sports is like, they don't have a lot of the fears or like inhibitions that adults might bring to them if they're like brand new to any particular sport. So for you getting on skis as such a young kid, that must have been such a game changer for what you were able to do coming of age. Oh, hundred percent. I mean, these kids are little sponges, you know, um, they say, if you want to learn a language, like teach your kid a language at a young age, cause they'll have it forever. Um, and their brains are just open to it, but that's the same with skiing and sports, like skiing. I learned to ski when I was two years old and it's like walking to me, you know, it was like, not only was it so fun, but it's kind of, we were joking the other night at dinner that the ski hills, I had some of my ski girlfriends over here. We've been friends forever. It was like the ski hill was our first nanny, you know, like mom <laughs> and dad would drop us off and give us 10 bucks for lunch. And you just went and played on the mountain all day. And that's, that's where all of our friends hung out. And so you're, I'm just so comfortable. It's second nature for me to slide down mountains and down snow. I'm so appreciative of that, that my parents introduced me at a young age. Do you, as like most, I'm sure every skier does, like remembers the first time that they took like a tumble that like really scared the hell out of them? Do you remember yours? Um, mine actually happened later in life. It was probably like 10 years ago. I mean, I'm, I'm sure I fell a lot learning to ski, but they kind of disappeared because I just remember the fun times. But yeah, I, it was a while ago here in Revelstoke, actually, there's this Kuar. So a kuar is a strip of snow between two rocks on either side. So you'll see, like, look at a mountain, you'll see this, like, white line coming down. Um, so they're pretty narrow, right? And I was skiing down, it's called the sickle, because it kind of looks like a, um, you know, like a sickle knife. And I was skiing down, and, like, this, every turn you make, you kind of start a little mini avalanche with you. Like, it's not going to it just starts to pick up speed. It's just snow moving with you. But by the end, there's so much of it. And it just took me off my feet. And I tumbled um, a good like 700 feet down this mountain. And we call wow. it tomahawking because it's basically like when you throw a tomahawk through the air, it just spins, you know, head over butt, head over butt over and over. And so tomahawking down the mountain, picking up speed. And um, I thought I knew at the bottom, there was this big cliff. And i I was like, oh my God, I'm going over this cliff. Like, this is going to be the end. Like I had that near death moment, like the, the life flashing before your eyes type of situation and came to a stop and just did like the whole body scan, tapped my head, like took a deep breath, got the snow out of my mouth and was like, I'm okay. <laughs> totally fine. Like not a single scratch on me. Like obviously like a little sore, but like nothing yeah. Very lucky. So that one stands out for sure. <laughs> wow. Wow. And when you like, after you kind of like spit the snow out of your mouth and like realize that your physical body was still a thing, like, were you uh, picked up? What happened with that? Yeah. So then after that we were filming, right. That's what we do a lot with skiing is we make these ski films and the filmer was on the um, opposite mountain and I got to watch the shot later and it was pretty terrifying. Um, but I also had my friend who had up skied down before me and he was tucked up under the cliff. And so I just got on the radio and I was like, I'm okay. And traverse. So like skied horizontally across the mountain to this way I could exit down. And then 
the helicopter, we were heli skiing. So the helicopter picked us up. Wow. That that's nuts. And in skiing, you are, you know, conquering so many different mountains, but and a completely different side of the coin here, you also have done insane things like climb them. Specifically, I'm talking about you climbing Mount Kilimanjaro. So talk to me about how that became something that was on your radar. Well, Kilimanjaro specifically, I mean, we climb mountains all the time, but um, Killing was a really special trip for me. Um, I just graduated high school and my younger sister and I our parents really encouraged us if we wanted to travel. Like this is before my whole ski career really took off. And they encouraged us if we wanted to travel, we should volunteer in different places. So we went to um, Kenya and volunteered in this orphanage at the base of Mount Kilimanjaro. Kilimanjaro Kids Care is what it's called. And um, we worked there for about a month. And then we did put a fundraiser together of climbing the mountain, you know, ask people for donation to go to the kids to the orphanage if we climbed the mountain to the top. So it was me, my younger sister, Maddie, and her best friend, Emmy O'Reilly. They were still in high school at the time. I had just graduated um, and we went down to Africa for a month and Kilimanjaro was so special. Um, I'm trying to remember the date on this must have been 2007. And so there's still a decent amount of snow on the top. I've heard it's taken a pretty big plunge and has melted quite significantly, but What's so special about Kilimanjaro is you go through all these different climates on the way up. Every single climate I think that is in the world is on Kilimanjaro on the mountain. I could be off on that, but I know that it's a ridiculous amount. Of- I won't judge you for it. You're good. <laughs> yeah, climates that you go through. It's like you start in the muddy jungle and then you get up into like kind of some like sparser trees. And then it's almost like this arid desert for a little bit. And then it goes into like lava rocks and then into winter and snow on the top. No big deal. Very cool. <laughs> it's like I have trouble like packing for like a weekend in one climate and you're like, all right, let's experience every single climate ever and we'll carry all of the things that we need on our back. Yeah, well, layering, you just layer it. You would do so you would do so well. I mean, you're a killer athlete with all of your accomplishments. You'd run up that thing with no, no problem. <laughs> oh, you're so sweet. You're so sweet. But I'm sure that experience was just once in a lifetime, especially being able to go with so many people that mattered so much to you. It was so special, incredible. And I, I just remember like you get to the top at sunrise and um the sun is rising behind and you're looking over and you can see the shadow of Kilimanjaro, like over Tanzania, just taking over the whole country, you know? And then as the sun comes up, the shadow kind of follows up with the mountain and you have to be on really high peaks to get the sunrise shadow. So dope. So dope. So you said this precursing a few years before you really started skiing super competitively. Talk to me about when you knew that skiing at that next level was going to be something that you really wanted to do. Yeah. I mean, okay. That's a great question. So I graduated from school in Sun Valley, Idaho. I moved out to my freshman year of college, went to Endicott College in Beverly, Massachusetts. I had a scholarship for sailing to be a pro sailor and full ride for the sailing team. Um, And I was like, all right, let's give this a shot. And um, really just missed winter, you know, in the snow. 
we, I, and the mountains mostly like the East coast, don't get me wrong, great skiing, but compared to where I grew up, the mountains were just a little bit smaller and snow was a little less consistent. And so I like went to all these different ski hills and just tried to explore as many as I could on the East coast. And eventually was like, okay, I need to be back in like real winter. So I transferred to the university of Colorado Boulder. And one of my best friends from high school was going to school there. And we had ski raced together in high school. And she was like, Lexi, you got to come to these contests. Like they're super rad. It's a free ride world tour and they've got these different qualifiers and you literally just ski down the mountain and they judge you and you have the best time. And I was like, all right, let's go. So we go to Telluride, Colorado, where the first contest was. And there's this really beautiful peak called Palmyra Peak right off the back of Telluride. Um, and we hiked to the top of it for the contest and skied down. And I ended up getting third place and podium on like my first contest. And I was like, they gave me this big check, you know, like the ones you see, like they hold above their heads. Yeah. And I was like, this is so much cooler than ski racing. And I'm super down with this. Like, let's go. <laughs> so <laughs> after that, just joined the tour. And then I started realizing that I was missing a lot of class at University of Colorado because we had to travel for all these contests. So I did one full year at Colorado um, at Boulder and then decided to just do summer school. So I was on the six-year prop program at Boulder, going to school in the summer and skiing all winter long. Um, but I finished school and came out with a solid ski career at the same time. Wow. And did you carry with you like any fear when it came to entering those competitions? It, I chuckled when you were like, and all they're going to do is judge you. Like, did that ever make you a little bit anxious? Oh, for sure. So my mom, she was a professional skier. Um, she was the first woman to do a backflip on skis, actually. She was um, back in the 70s, like those awesome photos of people doing huck and backflips. And so I had never been in a judged contest before. I was always, this, you know, a racer. And the time is very honest and the judging is up for interpretation. So my mom, she's like, Lexi, you got to put on these pants and they were her old mogul's pants. So they're bright pink with stars on the butt and these orange circles around the knees. And um, she's like, this is so they'll notice you and they'll, you'll, they'll be able to see you if you wear the bright pink pants. And you also need to go down to the judges and introduce yourself so they know your name before the contest. <laughs> so I go down and I introduce myself and I've got these pants on, these freestyle pants. These are like not the trend in the big mountain world. Like I was standing out so gnarly. And... They were like, oh, well, nice to meet you, Lexi. And, and then once I'm like dropping in, they have a loudspeaker and they're like, dropping in off the top from Sun Valley, Idaho is Little Miss Hot Pants. <laughs> that was my name for years on the tour was Little Miss Hot Pants. Oh, man. And your mom thinking she's setting you up here for success. And you're like, thanks for the nickname, mom. Exactly. Thank you. Oh, my God. But talk about big shoes to fill, right? Did your parents feel some kind of way, like positively encouraging you to pursue this like career path? Or did they just really were they just have the mindset like whatever makes you happy is whatever we're stoked for? A hundred percent. It's like they just want me to be happy. And um, I know that competing definitely makes them a little nervous. Like my mom used to come to the contest and just like hold, close her eyes at the bottom. Um, but then she was like so happy when I got made it down safely. <laughs> but um, they, they had an intervention a little bit like years ago where they were like, Lexi, we don't want you to go to Alaska anymore and ski these big lines. Like you're okay if you just stay here. We just want you to know like this isn't coming from us. This is you. And if you're happy, you do it, but like no pressure. So that was really nice to have that support. 
that was really nice to not feel like you had to just keep topping yourself. But I feel like also like that's kind of human nature, right? Whether or not it was the influence from your parents, once we conquer one hurdle, so to speak, we're always like hunting for the next thing to do. A hundred percent. I think that's why, you know, that's innately human is to keep striving and searching and, and bettering ourselves. And I also think it's a beautiful part about being human is that we can constantly adapt and grow and learn new things and every single day. And that's really what inspires me. I um, recently, this fall, actually just got invited as the wild card on the free ride world tour again. I thought I was done competing. And then they just called me out of the blue, invited me. And now the tour has changed significantly from when I was doing it. 10 years ago. And I've been talking to a mental coach actually to like get my mind back in the competitive mind state. And it's been so profound. We've only had a couple meetings so far. The first contest we leave for Spain on January 14th. So it's coming up, but it's basically like, I don't know, sometimes you get into your head or like you have this voice of self doubt or insecurities and someone's like talking. It's, I, I didn't know it was a specific voice, but now after practice, I'm identifying her and I call her Lala and she comes in and then she's like talking to me in this voice. I I'm like, okay, Lala, I see you, but here's a better way of doing it. Instead of feeling insecure about these things, here's a better way, better way. And for me, the two words that I'm trying to harness throughout the season is abundance and confidence. So that feeling of abundance of like gratitude and love for everything around you, the sun hitting your face, the snow falling, the people that you love, like, just full gratitude of abundance. And then the confidence is like, badass bitch, I've got this, you know, like shoulders back, head up, like, I've got this, you know, I'm gonna start saying to myself every morning, badass bitch, you've got this confidence, you've got this, I'm just gonna start literally staring myself in the mirror and using Lexi DuPont's affirmations. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it'll work. I mean, it's so good. It's, um, It's like, I even feel it in my spine. Like I sit up taller. And like, when I think of some of the most inspiring women in my life or people that I haven't even met and I idolize, like they move with such confidence and, and it's not this like bossy, mean, like rude confidence. It's like, it's, it's love. It's like love just beaming out of them because they, uh, they love themselves and they love where they are in their lives, you know? Yeah. I actually, I love that. I love two things about that. One, you having like inspiring women, both that you've met and that you haven't met and that you've in your own time and your own self-work, like you've taken time to articulate who they are. But I love that you've also been able to identify like a common characteristic of these people that you admire, because I think that that is such a helpful exercise because it also guides you on who you want to be and the values that you're trying to emulate in your day to day. 100%. And it almost gives you this visual picture, right? You've seen different things that they've done and their little instances. And then I can like easily grab that picture of that person to help me in those high stress moments. So that, I mean, that's the, the mental coaching is really practicing these tools in the day to day. So when you are in that high stress situation, it just comes instinctively, you know? Yeah. You have to tell us now who some of the inspiring women that you look up to are. Oh, you knew it was coming. Um, You like, you brought it to the forefront. (laughs) I was like, you're teeing this up for me. I'm a Tiger Woods this for you now. I set myself up. I mean, my mom for sure is like, she's always been such an inspiring woman. Mother nature is like a big one. Mama, Mama Earth is 
the most grounding, inspiring female we have. Talk to, <laughs> talk me through that one. She's the resilience, the perseverance, the beauty in everything, the like the the time. We take things so seriously and such like thinking that everything's drastic right now, but like Mother Earth takes as much time as she wants. Like she's gentle with herself and she heals herself. And time doesn't really affect her in that same way that affects us. Um, so that like zoom out of like we're all kind of these tiny little specks on this planet spinning through earth, like don't take yourself so seriously and realize that it is fragile. It is like a small moment in time that we get to experience it. So love it up, you know, having such a strong relationship with your family. Tell me a little bit about what it was like when you really started to travel a lot to uh, uh, continue and excel in your career. Yeah. I mean, at first, well, when I was first starting to compete, my mom had to come with me because I couldn't rent a car on my own, you know? Um, so she was always there. And then there was always some homesickness when you're traveling a lot, but we're all so close. We FaceTime regularly. We chat all the time. And now it's travel has become such a big part of my life. I'm literally like, I haven't unpacked my like toiletry kit in probably five years. It's just <laughs> like, cause if I unpack it, it's like three days later, I'm taking it to go again, you know? Yeah. I, I have washed it, which is good. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, but okay. I have a few staples that come with me no matter where I travel. Do you have those few? And if so, what are they? Yeah. Well, I want to hear yours too. Okay. You go first. Okay. So I, I'm a crystal gal. I'm going to put it out there. I'm a crystal gal. I like, I also have like some Palo Santo when you're sleeping in these crazy hotels all the time. Like I need to sage that shit, you know, I don't know who's been in there and then crystal by my bed. Um, I always have a good book and a journal. I've got these little packing dividers that are like my drawers and they're like little zipper pouches. Cause when you're living out of a suitcase, it's like you, have all your t-shirts in one bag. You got to stay a little organized or like things can get out of hand really quickly. A good face cream and like lip moisturizer. <laughs> I feel all of this. I mean, it's so funny because you like started off with like your crystals and your Palo Santo. And I'm like, so mine starts with R&Co dry shampoo and then <laughs> Sephora wipes. And you're yes. like, I need all of these things to cl cleanse my space. And I'm like, I just really need to manage my sweat on a regular daily basis. <laughs> But I feel you on having like the specific travel to go pouch that you put your stuff in that is also washable. And yo, know, the packing cubes are game changers. Game changers. They're drawers. You yeah. have drawers in your bag. For sure. So have you always been, I mean, you obviously, as we said here, mentioned Palo Santo and your crystals. Have you always been someone who is, I would say, like spiritual in that way? Yeah. I don't know if it was like when I was, I don't think when I was really young, it really came around. I think just being in nature all the time, like we say, you know, worshiping God, but it's the great outdoors. And it's like being outside all the time. And our worship with our skiing is a spiritual act. And I think when you talk to a lot of outdoor athletes, like whether they want to admit it or not, they have a deep connection to Mother Earth. And it's a very, it's a spiritual thing that you're doing out there when you're when we're skiing these mountains, like we're in the backcountry so much. So it's not like you have a ski patrol or someone mitigating the avalanche hazards. Like that's all on us. And there's so much that we dive into with like the snow science. We're constantly learning about how avalanches work and the risk management, how to, you know, wilderness first aid, safety. But there's also this like this other element that can't really be 
we can't really talk about it or quantify it, but it's the connection that you have with mother earth and like the, the asking for permission and the respect to be able to go do what we enjoy to do and play with in her mountains, you know? So yeah, I think that is pretty spiritual. When you mentioned you started traveling and your mom would come along with you, obviously time went on, you got to be old enough to drive yourself. What were some of the first trips that you took on your own that really kind of blew your mind and gave you a new appreciation for your sport? Oh gosh. Yeah, that's, that's an awesome one. So literally the same year that I started competing, um, I got picked up by Eddie Bauer and K2, still my sponsors that have been with me from the very start. Love them. Shout out. Um, but the, they were like, Hey Lexi, there's this awesome trip with Warren Miller, this legendary filmmaker. And they want you to go to Svalbard, Norway which is the island, it's the furthest north you can ski. So it's 400 miles south of the North Pole. You're going to, they're like, you're going to camp on a glacier, on a fjord and a glacier for two weeks. And here's all the gear, these awesome down suits, like the, the, the high will be minus 20 degrees Fahrenheit. You're going to have to carry a little uh, flare gun on your ankle for the polar bears. Cause when you go to the bathroom, like they might come get you and, like so I was like all right like this is what we're doing and and they're like oh and by the way you're the only girl and you're with all dudes and they're all 40 years old or over and I was I think I was like 19 at the time on this trip I had done a little bit of winter camping but not like two weeks like in the north pole <laughs> you know what I mean um so that one was very adventure that, that one was like can I use a sat phone to call my mom? Because like, I'm just going to pull my goggles down and cry right now if I don't get to talk to her. <laughs> oh my gosh. I cannot even imagine the next level amount of cold. Like this morning I was holding a coffee cup walking to Fort Greene Park. And I said to myself, I shouldn't have brought coffee because my hand is freezing. <laughs> Meanwhile, you are like needing to like keep your goggles on for fear of actually like get, catching frostbite instantaneously in the eye region. <laughs> It's true. It was freezing. Oh my gosh. A, I think now if I were to do that trip now, you know, years later, I would have so much more respect for the, the whole experience. But at the time it was like, I was just suffering. Yes. I was like, what are we doing here? Taking a break from today's episode to give some love to my sponsors. First up, Gooder. Gooder is the maker of some really fabulous sunglasses. Now, if you consider yourself a hurdler, then you have certainly heard about Gooder sunglasses before. But just to reiterate, these sunglasses, no slip, no bounce, all polarized and a whole lot of fun. Plus they start at only $25. They are a budget buy and honestly, one of my go-tos for everything from my morning run to my afternoon errands. Trust me, in my day, I sound like I'm like ancient here, but in my day, <laughs> I have tried a whole lot of sunglasses, especially when it comes to running styles. And I keep coming back to Gooder, which is just outrageous because again, for such a great price you get such a quality product now i'm about to make this a no-brainer for you they are offering hurdle listeners an additional discount if you head on over to gooder.com that's g-o-o-d-r.com slash hurdle you can use the code hurdle one five for an additional 15 percent off your sunglass order today again head on over to gooder.com slash hurdle use the code hurdle one five at checkout for 15 percent off <laughs> 
Also have to give some love to one of the most critical things in my wellness toolbox, AG1 from Athletic Greens. I've been taking AG1 from Athletic Greens for the better part of four years now, and it feels like my secret sauce, right? Before I started shaking up this all-in-one daily scoop with the antioxidant equivalent of 12 servings of fruit and vegetables, prebiotics, probiotics, adaptogens, superfoods, 75 whole food sourced ingredients, vitamins, and minerals. Before I started using this stuff, my vitamin and mineral and like supplement routine was all over the place. I finally feel like I'm taking ownership over my health, over my body, and this really helps me feel my best, not just my digestion feels better, but also my energy levels. I feel like my skin is better. It's just, I'm sitting here shaking my head. It's a no brainer. I am so amped to support this brand. I'm so amped to talk to you about this brand. And this is why I have partnered with them for so long. If you want to make a simple change to better your overall health and well-being, AG1 from Athletic Greens is a great place to start. Of course, they have a deal for you. Head on over to athleticgreens.com slash hurdle. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash hurdle to get five free travel packs and a year's supply of vitamin D with your first purchase. Athleticgreens.com slash hurdle. No code necessary. And lastly, I want to give some love to my friends at Daily Harvest. Let's be real. I think we can all probably admit that it's hard to eat healthy when you feel a little bit frazzled and the beginning of a new year certainly makes me feel that way. This year, I want to commit to healthier eating habits and that's why I am keeping my freezer stocked with Daily Harvest. Daily Harvest is an easy way to get more fruits and veggies into my day every single day and they have my back with delicious food that's good for me and good for the planet. Now, I know you're wondering, what do you mean good for the planet? Well, Daily Harvest is all about preserving and protecting the earth for current and future generations to come. From their recyclable and compostable packaging to investing in organic farming practices and reducing food waste, you can feel good about the choices you are making physically and for the environment with these eats. Speaking of eats, one of my favorites lately, the tomatillo and pepper flatbread. I top it with a little bit of mozzarella cheese and it's like a little special pizza treat that is a delicious interjection into my workday. Other highlights, the broccoli and cheese harvest bowl, tomato and zucchini minestrone soup. I could literally sit here and list off delicious picks from them all day long. Daily Harvest makes it easy to feel good about what I'm doing for myself and the planet, and you can get in on the action today. Head on over to dailyharvest.com slash hurdle pod to get up to $40 off your first box. Again, that's dailyharvest.com slash hurdle pod for up to $40 off your first box. Dailyharvest.com slash hurdle pod. It's so interesting. I mean, that's actually a really interesting thing that you said, because I feel that way about some of the trips that I went on when I was younger too. Granted, like I wasn't like skiing peaks, like 400 miles south of the North Pole, but like I even went to Israel when I was in college and looking back on that trip that I took when I was 19, I almost wish that I had waited until I had a greater understanding for everything from like the political climate to the lands that I was seeing. No one, you can't replicate it, you know? Yeah. And when you're, when you're younger, sometimes you might take a little bit of advantage of like, oh, this is, I'll do this trip again. Or, and then, well, and just with the winter camping, it was like, now I'd be so much more prepared for that whole situation. But at the time it was like, 
just be cool, stay warm and like get, get this thing done, like get it over with. (laughs) (laughs) And that's so cool, right? Because again, your first trip, what an unbelievable experience. And I'm sure that was a great introduction. It was a great introduction to what was coming next. We were shooting on film too. Like it wasn't digital. Like the guys in the black bag with his hands, like in the freezing changing film as polar bears are walking towards us. And we saw the polar bears. But from that until now, it's like going from being in these awesome films to then realizing that I wanted to use my creative voice to be able to create some of my own content, own films. So I've made a few and, you know, being the producer, the director, all of the levels that goes into making your own piece. So I did that for a while. And then now going back into the film and I I honestly never thought that I'd be competing again. And here I am going back on the free ride world tour. So it's like, just being prepared for anything and yeah. with skiing it's like these storms they come you get like 48 hour notice and you got to go it's like very quick so just rolling with the punches being adapt being able to adapt at any moment has been I think one of the greatest highs and lessons from this whole experience what an interesting like analogy about like the storm being such like an integral part of your entire process. Like without the storm, you can't arguably do a lot of the stuff that you hope to do and the conditions are better after the storm. Wow. There's like so many like <laughs> metaphors that I could like really bring into the mix here. But at first when you started chasing these storms, I'm sure there had to be like a certain level of anxiety or nervousness that went hand in hand going into so much unknown. Oh, gosh. Yeah. I mean, it's like the greatest unknown. My my whole life revolves around the weather. It's like every morning I get up and I look at like global weather of where these storms are happening. For example, last year we go up to Alaska. I've got I've saved all of my money for Alaska in the spring from my sponsors and it's they're having a killer season it's snowing every day we're like oh my gosh this spring's gonna be incredible so we went up there sat in this fishing village for three to i think it was like three and a half weeks while it was just pounding snow and then we see this high pressure coming we're like oh the sun's coming like we're gonna be able to fly the helicopters and get out there and so we go down this first sunny day, all these film crews are flying in from all over the world for this particular storm and system that was happening. And then this big high pressure. So we are, we're at the airport at the helicopter and we're like, it's like 6 a.m. The sun's barely even up. And we're like, well, it's warm. Like it is really warm. And we're like unzipping our, our jackets at the helicopter pad. And all of a sudden it went, we could have time-lapsed it going from January to July in like, it's 24 hours. All the snow melted. Like the sun came out and the oh. mountains just like avalanched and the snow fell down. So we didn't get a single day of skiing and we were up there for a month. So yeah, the weather <laughs> rules our rules our world. Wow. Wow. I like cannot even imagine all the effort that went into it just for you to have to make that big pivot. But again, like we're on this metaphor tangent and it's like, how often does that happen, right? Like how often do you put in so much work just for something to not go as you had hoped it would? And I always come back to like, I I really truly believe everything happens for a reason. And a lot of times like our karmic energy will bring that upon us in, in ways. And like what we put out in the world we receive. But there's also like the lessons at each time you have these huge pivots where you're like, okay, change of plans, start over back to the drawing board. But like, what did I learn and take away from that experience? And 
sometimes it might just be like, oh, I'm learning to adapt better and like roll with the punches and change and not let things hold on to things so tightly, have a little like looser grip on it. And sometimes it just really sucks. And you're like, okay, now I'm just learning how to grieve. (laughs) Other times it's the best ever. And that like those, when you have those lows, it makes you really appreciate the the highs. Definitely. Definitely. Mm -hmm. So for you, now at this point, uh, having gone on all of these different, seemingly awesome expeditions of sorts, you also, as you had mentioned, start to integrate like a lot of other things into the flow of your everyday. And so we're talking about hiking. And then earlier you mentioned like getting your pilot's license. So talk to me about what it looked like for you when you thought that you were going to be done competing. Yeah. I mean, I was so into the film world, right? So competition was took a full backseat. It was like, all right, I'm done with that. What I really want to do is create content, tell stories, and ski these mountains in the, the far corners of the earth. Yeah, it was kind of a hard line of like, all right, competing isn't really happening anymore. This is feels much better. It, I didn't feel like a loss at by any means of like stopping competing. It felt just like a natural progression of what my heart wanted to do. Um, and then with this new invitation as the wild card. So the wild card is basically they give you don't have to qualify. They just call you out of the blue. For, they picked one skier and one snowboarder. And usually the skiers male. There's been some legendary male skiers that have been a part of the tour as a wild card. And they picked a female this year. And I was like, what? Like, it was just so validating and felt so honored, you know, and it just gave me such a big boost of confidence of like, oh, wow, that these people are still like know who I am and what I'm doing and are like aware that I can hang and like bring some spice to this. Um, the other ski- snowboarders, Manuel Diaz, he's from Chile. Yeah. So the point of the wild card is to spice things up, give like the leader a run for her money and we'll see how it goes. I'm, I'm pumped. I'm really excited. Where else does the tour go? So we go from Spain to Andorra and then to kicking horse, British Columbia and then Feverburn, Austria, and Verbier, Switzerland. Wow. Also, like you being able just to like wrap those out real quick is quite impressive. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> yeah. You know exactly the what schedule. you're getting into. Schedule's dialed. As long as we keep this these borders open. That's a whole other thing, right? With COVID, it's like this could all just get canceled in a second and then then what? Huh? And then we're exercising all the strategies that we were just un- talking it's- about when it comes to being able to pivot and adapt. So you said the buzzword, the C word, we don't love to talk about it, but we will talk about it. When it comes to COVID, how has that impacted what you've had going on over the last two years? Yeah, it's been pretty significant, actually. You know, I was talking about not being able to come up here to Revelstoke to my house. Like, that was pretty gnarly to not like to be literally out of your house for 15 months, all my belongings, like I had to go buy all new clothes, everything. So that was a big one. But it also brought this beautiful level of like, with with what we've been doing with skiing, we're so travel focused on going around the world to different places and just like exploring our own backyards of wherever we were um, and finding the beauty, like what's right out your back door. And that was really cool. Up here in Canada, it's definitely a lot stricter than down in the States. How so? Just, you know, vaccine checks at every restaurant, COVID tests. Now, I think as of today, no more gatherings larger than 10 people again. Masks everywhere. Yeah, you know, it's like you're on this like, oh, we're getting better. Oh, whoa. oh, up and down. <laughs> 
Yeah, here we are. I mean, I'm with you on the like finding the small joys and like appreciating the things that we do have and exploring in your own backyard. When COVID was at one point what was deemed at that point to be the worst here in New York back in March of 2020, that was when I started cycling in a way that I never had before. And so I was able to get out on my bike and like check off my first century and just like keep kind of going from there and exploring New York and New Jersey. I can't even say that like I'm sitting here saying that New Jersey was like beautiful, but in ways that like I had never (laughs) done before. And so I hear you at those finding of the simple joys and exploring your own backyard and you know, when the world opened up again, I kind of lost a little bit of that, like a little bit of the the joy and the spice for the things that had brought me so much joy. So to be honest with you, sometimes I'm like, what the hell is going on in our world? And right now I definitely am. But a big part of me is like, we need to get back to finding those like small silver linings. And maybe that we were getting just like a little bit greedy. A hundred percent. Greedy, greedy and jaded, you know, and that it it really changed everyone grounding us all back down of like, you know, the lockdown was like, whoa, is this really happening? Everyone's listening and doing this around the world. Like everyone is at home Yeah, and, you know, cleaning out your house of all these old drawers that needed cleaning or learning how to cook a fun new thing or getting into yoga in your living room, whatever it was, you know, spending time with your family. There's all these little joys that was a great lesson for us to still incorporate when our lives pick up speed again. Talk to me about the decision to get into flying. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So uh, my dad's a pilot. Grew up flying with him um, in the back of his 180 Cessna, just a four seater around Idaho. And a lot of my family on my dad's side are, were big aviators. Like all my uncles and aunts were pilots. So it just kind of felt natural of like, this is what my family does. Yeah. So as I was getting my private when I was getting my private license in 2016 my dad gifted me my aunt's journal so that's my aunt Alice was the first woman to fly the Amazon in the 20s in an open biplane so the open capsule hairs flowing in the wind and she just had a paper map and a compass like no radios nothing and so when I heard that story I was like oh wow like as being a filmmaker, I'm like, I, I want to do that. I want to refly her flight down the Amazon. So that's really inspired me to like get the next endorsements. I just got my instrument rating this last summer, um, which allows me to fly in clouds and above 18,000 feet. But flying is just like, there's constantly new aircrafts to learn. There's new ratings to get, and you're just constantly learning. So that is like keeping my brain going. I love it. First question. What does scare you in your life? What scares me? Mm -hmm. Yeah, fear is a, it's an interesting subject. I definitely have fears. You know, I'm scared of heights. Like I totally am. I sit on some of these mountains. Talking to a pro skier who is now flying above 18,000 feet. And her first fear that she highlights is I am certainly scared of heights. I'm certainly scared of heights. I am. My younger sister laughs at me all the time. Like we'll go climbing and she'll like, she knows when I'm like get gripped and she can like see. And she's like, are you scared right now? I'm like, yeah. And she's always laughing because she has like no fear of heights whatsoever. She's like, it just blows my mind. You jump off cliffs for a living and you're scared of heights. And I think that fear is something that we can practice and our comfort with fear, befriending fear is kind of like a superpower. And, you know, when I get those, those nervous feelings or those butterflies of when fear conjures those up, I've through practice have learned to enjoy that feeling and to like harness it into energy to like perpetuate me forward instead of like paralyzing me. 
Do you remember a specific moment where you kind of did that for one of the first times that dramatically impacted how you move forward with fear? Because I feel like those moments are how we adopt the attitude and the mindset that you have now. Right. I mean, I think it started when I was younger. We'd go cliff jumping and my dad would be like, he'd drive the boat up to these cliffs at the lake and he'd be like, we're not going back until everyone jumps. And I remember some of my friends were like, your dad's crazy. I'm not jumping. And then they would like, they would, he's like, he's serious. They're not. And he's, he's like, I wonder why my girls are so extreme. Oh wait. Like I was one that made them jump off cliffs when they were little. Um, <laughs> This is what he gets for not having any boys. A hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I thank him for that. But I just remember even, I think actually my first one was where we called the body whomping. We'd be in the ocean, just like tumbling in the waves and I'd come out and I'd be like, Oh my God, that was so scary. But I'd look at my dad and he'd be like, that was awesome. I'm like, high five, good job. And so I'm like, Oh, this feeling I'm feeling of nerves is actually a good feeling, you know, like just had that, that switch. I love that. I love that. And then, I mean, the part two, when I, after I said part one, what are you, what, what are you scared of? Part two is when do you foresee yourself trying to duplicate this journey? Okay. Part two, the journey, it's like a three to five year plan. There's a couple more things that are coming into works. It's going to be a very big project and I'm trying to incorporate um, a really large humanitarian giving back aspect. Um, there's also some electric planes that are coming up around. So waiting on that development, there's just some more pieces, some other things I can't talk about, but three to five years talking about social media, obviously, as you have uh, succeeded in your career, you have gained a little bit more of a following. How has that been for you having a larger platform to both share your stories and what's going on in your life, but also as you've made very clear something that's very important to you, do good by other people. I think it's a, an incredible tool to be able to tell stories and to get information across. You know, it's all of us have at our fingertips access to the entire world all, all the time, all, like 24 hours a day. I think it could, you know, when used inappropriately or un, in an unhealthy manner, it can be pretty toxic, but used in the right way, it's an incredible tool to be able to share our experiences. And I mean, for example, this house where I'm sitting right now is fully off grid, fully passive house. It's rainwater entrapment. Um, so all of the plumbing's rainwater, solar um, for the electricity, and then an, um, geothermal for the heat. And then being able to build sustainably like this and share that with people to inspire them to want, you know, all of our building practices should change. And the, I, at first I was like, do I really want to share my house on the media? It's such a personal space. But then it was like, no, I want to inspire people to build differently and that you can still have a beautiful home and it, and it can be sustainable. And how about when it comes to the social media critics? <laughs> I was, I was thinking with the, the mental coach I'm talking to when we have that evil voice, that's like talking us down, Lala, uh -huh. my, my evil voice. <laughs> when Lala is talking to me, it's like, you invite her to the table. It's like, if you have a bully in high school, and they're like wanting to like flip your lunch tray. If you're like, how about you sit with us? Like, you do you need a hug? Like, you just you completely diminish that. You put water on their fire. Like, there's no fuel. So it just killing with kindness, I think, yeah. is very beneficial if you want to choose your battle. 
I love uh, I love the idea here or the through line here that kindness is without a doubt one of your biggest values. If I had to ask you to name perhaps like one or two others, what would you say two more of your personal key values would be? Speaking my last name, DuPont actually means of the bridge. And so I think I have the superpower of bridging people together where people need to be connected to create, you know, better themselves, better the world. Um, connecting people is, I think, a superpower that I have. And then I feel like I was blessed with a positive attitude. Like I, just see you know, having a good time and smiling. Like, I, of course, I have bad days, but I feel like relatively I'm just like happy. And I think that's just loving every moment of this life, you know, yeah. the good and the bad. I love that for you. Right now, if someone was to go over to your Instagram, they would see uh, someone who identifies as a pro skier and a pilot. You're obviously this wild card, 35,000 followers. When you look in the mirror, what is it that you see looking back at you? Um, oh, that's a really good question. Um, I I honestly sometimes picture my like nine-year-old self in the mirror. And like, just want to hug and embrace her and speak with, to her kindly and encouragingly. Um, and it's, it's definitely been a practice, you know, there's sometimes you look in the mirror and you're like wanting to correct things or nitpick things. And that doesn't do any good. <laughs> just look at her and love her every time. But I, I see, you know, I see a sister and a friend and um, like a bright light all around. What excites you right now? Um, I think what really is firing me up right now is this free ride world tour. I am so excited to travel to Europe and meet new people. And we'll be in kind of this crew traveling together around the, around Europe and Canada. So excited to meet new friends, to ski these like iconic mountains that I've never skied before. So that's, it's so energizing. You mentioned a partner earlier. How does traveling like that impact you and that partnership? Oh my gosh. Okay. So I've just, I'm with the love of my life. I've just relieved. I finally found him. Oh. Um, <laughs> so much hope coming from Lexi up in Canada right now. I will say this. I am positively affirming that Within one year's time, I'm like closing my eyes and saying this because no one's going to yes. be watching this video. I, within one year of my life, I will meet the love of my life and I will be saying this in such a gushing manner that is very similar. Yes. it's. It, I thought it was impossible. I didn't know that he'd be out there. I was like very <laughs> specific of what I wanted. Okay. So tell me about him. <laughs> oh, okay. So his name is Matthew Monty. He's a doctor. He's a surf doctor, primarily orthopedics, um, but now he does functional medicine. So putting things in the body that our body actually wants and can use as fuel. And he's coming with me on the tour this year. Yes. So he's my doctor, my chauffeur, my masseuse, my love. This is his first winter. He lives in Kauai. So this is his first winter away from the ocean. And I was kind of like, can he hang? Like, can he snowboard? And he's absolutely ripping. Did you meet surfing? We actually met in Alaska, heli skiing. So I was up there filming and he came up on a heli trip as one of the clients and we were staying in the same same lodge. Wow. We, we started dating a couple of months after that, but that's where we met. And we've been hooked at the hip ever since. I love this for you. There's hope for us all. Okay. Heading toward the end here. 
on a positive note. So the final question I have for you, although I feel I could like gab with you all day, every day. Right now, you have an opportunity to offer yourself a piece of advice right when you were getting into professional skiing, starting to travel, kind of finding your own feet. You have an opportunity to offer that younger woman a piece of advice looking back on it right now. What would you tell her? Man, don't you think, wouldn't it be rad if this was real? <laughs> like your older, more mature self could come back and talk to you. Um, okay, so I'm putting myself in her shoes. Little college Lexi, just starting to become a pro skier. You know, not take things too seriously. And I maybe mentioned this earlier. I think when we're younger, it's like when things don't go your way, it's like the world's crashing down on you. And it's just so serious. It's like the end of the world. Like, oh my God nothing's going to get better than this. And just to realize that like, that is a waste of energy and it takes so much more energy to have those negative thoughts than it is to just like, be easy, take it easy, put one foot in front of the other every day and just keep plugging away and just love yourself the most. Cause that, if you don't love yourself, then how can you love anything around you and appreciate anything? Like I know all of us need to practice self-love more. Every single person on this earth needs to practice it more. So I wish I would have known earlier to start practicing. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. Lexi, you are a ray of light. I'll be cheering from you as you're traveling the globe. I know the hurdlers will be too. Tell us, how do we follow along with you? How do we try to keep up with you? Give us all your details. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much. You can follow me on Lexi DuPont on Instagram. Uh, I'm, I'm posting regularly. Um, I'm pretty sure we're going to be putting together a little web series while we're traveling on tour. Eddie Bauer always is posting amazing things for my progress and our entire team. K2 skis, POC helmets and goggles, and BCA backpacks. They're all supporting me throughout this winter. So um, just big shout out to them. And they'll be, you can check out on their channels about what we're doing. Love it. I'm over at Hurdle Podcast and at Emily Abadi. Another hurdle conquered. Catch you guys next time.